All right, welcome back to Insight Flicks. We're going to be doing our movie podcast. This is a kind of a movie discussion podcast where three brothers get together to talk movies and also TV sometimes. <laughs> uh, my name is Mike, and like always, I'm here with my two brothers, Richard and Raymond. And this episode, we're going to just do like kind of a movie wrap up where we just kind of talk about some of the recent movies we saw uh, and just kind of go through them uh, and talk about them, review them. Uh, and do it in a quick fashion. Uh, so let's start with like uh, a movie that we recently saw on VOD. And I think, uh, Raymond, you saw this in theaters like the first week or so. Let's start with Megan, which was a, a mash hit, hit. It's uh, the horror comedy that came out that stars Allison uh, Williams. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, like everyone probably already knows, it's like a, a robot toy uh, for kids. That goes awry because the 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 the, the toy the kid, the robot becomes so self aware and becomes extra protective of its owner and in, th- in this case it's the the a twelve year old girl. Uh, Raymond, what's your thought? You saw well, you first you saw this in theaters when it came out, right? Yeah, and um, actually, uh, I when I went to go see the uh, before like the movie came out, I was actually kind of against it in many ways because to me it just seemed like a kind of. Um, a ripoff of the the recent Chucky reboot that came out uh, just a few years ago, because that was also kind of um, uh, about it, this doll that had this kind of uh, AI intelligence that kind of went wrong trying to you know protect the its child or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and you know it's it's literally the, the same premise. So I I was I kind of went into the movie expecting to not like it, but I ended up having a pretty good time with it. It's just it's just um. A very well paced and uh, entertaining movie, and there's a very kind of um, satirical angle to the film that really kind of worked for me. Uh, but while the movie was satirical, the character uh, there was still like a, I felt like a lot of uh, kind of love for the characters, and the characters felt very kind of um, real and well written. And um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed the movie. Well, that was the fear, you know, for me when I was going into the movie. When I was going into the movie and, and watching it, I was thinking that this was going to be just kind of a blatant ripoff of Chucky and all those kind of killer doll movies. What I didn't expect, and what I, what and what was a welcome uh, reaction that I got was that it's actually much more of a comedy. It's less a, less of really a horror movie, but more kind of a, like a dark satirical take on something like Short Circuit from the eighties, you know, or some <laughs> or some like kind of these robot movies from the eighties. You know, it's not necessarily like a killer doll or necessarily falls into that kind of line of killer doll horror films that we got recently, like uh, Boy or or some of those cheaper ones. Uh, you know, uh, so I really found this to be kind of more kind of like a robot or, you know, Terminator. There's a little bit of Terminator in it. There's a little bit of uh, like a, a battle, batteries not included, you know, like kind of these uh, robot comedies of the 80s and. Small that, soldiers or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was like it was, and I thought that in in, in that sense, uh, I I really had fun. I was not expecting that. I, I, I thought the movie was just a blast. Uh, Rich, what was your thoughts when you saw Megan? Yeah, I had this. This movie was just generally fun. It was just uh, not too scary, not too um, um, uh, not too not too long either. It's a it's a pretty fast pacing movie and. Uh, and it kind of reminded me of the uh, last year's Orphan First Kill, which had a lot of, uh, um, uh, but um, you mean like much stu- more better like directed, stupid, like, like comedy, spoof, yeah, like, yeah. like, uh, like Silly. you know, a, very- a comedy, a comedy element to it. Um, but um, yeah, I was re- really impressed by the director, Ger- uh, Gerard Johnson. Uh-huh. Um, 
Um, yeah, yeah, I want to check out his other movie now. Yeah, um, this is a New Zealand New Zealand filmmaker who started his career with a, a horror comedy called Housebound. And that, I remember that I didn't. We haven't seen this movie, but I heard good things about it. It came out, I think, in uh, it's around 2014. It was like a festival hit, and uh, it really, you know, with Megan watching Megan, I, I really saw that the, this guy kind of understands comedy, or he has that kind of Kiwi sensibilities. He, it's like very much a uh, Taika Waititi type of comedy, kind of borderline slapstick, but also just mm-hmm. satirical. And that's what I really kind of enjoyed the movie. Yeah, and it being shot in New Zealand, it's um, they obviously got Weta to do the the robotics to it, mm-hmm. and um, from what they did with it, this this amount, this this picture is only you know less than twenty million dollars from what I hear, mm-hmm. and um, it 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 shows that it's it, the money was well spent on it, mm-hmm. um, and Alex Williams, who I um, really didn't uh, think she was a hell of a great actress, <laughs> this one she she did pretty good, did pretty decent. And uh, the little girl, Violet McGraw, uh, I, I thought she did uh, um, good as well. Um, I thought she was great. Yeah. yeah for a, a, she was uh, in a couple other films. Like, she was in Black Widow for a little bit. And uh, um, she was, you know, Dr. Sleep, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, she's, she's a big-time actress now. Um, well, this was kind of produced by James Wan. This also right. was a Bloomhouse production. And this was kind of written by Akila Cooper, who did the Malignant. Uh, mm-hmm. And it really seems like Akila Cooper is very much a like a big horror fan, or you know, some of them yeah. who was like us, like kind of grew up on the eighties and nineties films. And I think yeah, it shows. Also, I think it yeah, shows in this yeah, film. I, I agree with you because also, like in the the satirical element of this film, um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of like Child's Play two at times, mm-hmm. especially like when we were when we we're with um, like at the work with like uh, with Ronnie Chen and all that. You mm-hmm. know, there's. It's just the way the toy got created was so stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it was. It just happened all so quick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like normally something like this would happen like in years, right? But in this movie's universe, you kind of just go with it. Like it's being like, uh, you know, produced and in stores like within like a, like a couple months. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Two months. Yeah, it was like a, it was fast tracked in like a couple right. months of that. This was getting like. The, the idea is like uh, Allison Williams is a uh, AI, AI uh, robot engineer, and she's already working on, on this toy company. And then her kind of latest um, creation is this Megan line of, of toys, which is like mm-hmm. the highly advanced uh, uh, robot uh, doll for for little kids, for little girls, really. And Megan is like the prototype, and she uh, kind of imprints herself onto. The her, her, her the 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 scientist's uh, um, niece, who yeah, I, I liked how they they, they uh, she developed it as a secret project because um, they, they, she was a, a scientist just making upgrade to her one uh, one of her big hits, which is basically you know one of these um, Yamagachi meets Furby uh, kind yeah. of things, and uh, the <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the toy owner a fake trailer, <laughs> yeah, the toy the toy owner wants to just make a quick upgrade so it um so it can get it out in the market to avoid the to avoid the uh, competitors right um but this was a secret project that he fi- eventually finds out about 
and then he wants to go ahead and uh, market it for like ten thousand dollars. <laughs> I thought that was uh, it was. Uh, it was the next Tesla, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like there's there's moments in the movie where it's completely stupid, but I think yeah, the yeah. filmmakers, yeah, I think the filmmakers are aware of that, and they know that you're aware of that, and they, yeah, I think that the I don't know, there's a certain kind of vibe in the movie where you kind of just go with it, you go with the campiness of the, of the it, film. It really reminded me a lot of like of Child's Play two mixed with the Child's Play remake, and um, but like the best elements of like both movies. Oh. But, but in the way that where it was kind of more uh, kind of, uh, I guess, a gateway horror movie that you could watch with little kids and stuff like that, you know, yeah, even, even, yeah. Though Chucky, even though Chucky, I think it's pretty appropriate for, for young ones, <laughs> if, if you ask me. But but um, this is, I guess, even more like uh, they could watch this when they're four. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the major complaint of the movie. I think a lot of horror, like hardcore horror fans. We're getting an unrated cut because they, oh, this there? movie was cut down. This movie okay. was cut down. They're, they're, uh, it was supposed to be uh, an R-rated movie. Oh. Uh, they edited it down when uh, the trailer went viral. And oh, they, they knew that they, they knew there was a PG-13 audience for it. So they made this cut, which the director approved, I guess, supposedly. Oh. And uh, we're going to get an unrated cut on Blu-ray. That's why I was actually hoping that the unrated cut was the one streaming, but it, it's not. But I, I think, yeah, they're, they're saving it for home video. It's interesting because uh, it, it kind of works as a NC or as a PG-13. Um, yeah, but that was a kind of the major complaint by a lot of these horror guys who were saying that yeah, this is, you know, not the, the thing I was expecting. They were really expecting really gory or at least Major well, there's scares. stuff in the trailer that that wasn't in the movie. Oh, were they? I didn't even notice. Yeah, the, the trailer was a little uh, a bit more horror. Mm. Yeah, well, maybe, yeah, maybe that's will be in the in the NC or the rated R cut or the something. Unrated, yeah, the unrated, unrated cut, cut. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I hope we get that on Blu-ray. I hope they don't, you know, do just a a double dip and <laughs> release this on Blu-ray, and then like and a year later they do the uh, the unrated cut because studios have done that. <laughs> well, you know. What I really liked about the movie was that they it, it, there is a message about how kids are too or uh, parents have allowed their kids to rely on technology, technology to kind of um, mask their feelings because you know the whole idea of this lo- young girl who falls who falls into the uh, the guardianship of the, of her, her aunt who is this uh, robot engineer genius. As because her her parents are killed in an auto accident that happens in the very first minutes of the movie, and she's an orphan basically, and because she can't, uh, you know, understand that complications of emotions, she kind of really uh, gr- grows a, 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 this unnatural attachment to this doll, Megan. And I think the you know I was like really shocked that they had a really strong message of like. Well, that's the problem with you know with your tablets. That's the problem with social media. That's the problem with your phone. You're, everyone has this addiction to their to their technology that you are masking some of the kind of things that you don't want to deal with. It's all kind of a distraction. And I go, wow, what what a great message to for a movie that I didn't really expect that it's going to be you know have anything to say about anything. But I mean, that's what I was, another great surprise. Uh, but you know, I don't know. What what's your thoughts about, about the movies and its message about kind of you know, the technology and all that stuff. I thought it was uh, well handled. Yeah. I don't really have much more at, to add than uh, what you already said, but yeah, uh, it, it was unexpected to that, that the movie actually has uh, some layers to it. Yeah. yeah There's it it nothing new to me. I mean, it's just, <laughs> just, just saying that, yeah, you know, kids of today are spoiled. 
which is which I see it every day. It's not that they're spoiled. It's that like they're so reliant on these, you know, the tablets or the, the or the phone that they. Well, that's how that's how it is nowadays. Yeah, no, and, no, and, and 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 I think that's I think the movie, and I agree with what the movie is saying. It's mm. like the, you're not allowing kids to like uh, uh, process their grief or process any kind of emotions because it's all distracted by you know their time on 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 phones or or you know toys or video games or whatever i mean i thought i thought what the movie was trying to say i totally agree with it i did and i didn't expect that that to have that in the in the in the, well, that's what made the movie it, that, in some parts that's what made it fun because the girl didn't even want to wash her hands after taking a shit <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. <laughs> you know they all had to remind the, yeah. Oh, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay yeah laziness, laziness. well that, i think that was you know that part of the movie was about how parents are that, that, that was judging parenting because that's another layer of the movie yeah that's uh, another great layer of the movie where, where, where they're saying the parenting. that like parents or at least in this case this aunt who is just you know now the guardian of this young girl and she is relying on the technology to teach her kid or you know her, her niece that mm-hmm. like parents are just kind of are letting letting go the their responsibilities and having that those responsibilities uh, given to uh, to technology to take care of, and and then yeah. I think that's they're saying like that's like a bad thing too, you know. Like, but uh, it's also a, a good thing to most parents nowadays. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's, I think that I think that's what the movie's trying to say, though. Like, maybe you shouldn't let your child like with a tablet all day. You know? Yeah. <laughs> what, what does that do to them? <laughs> yeah, or you know, like step up and like take care of your children and really teach them like you know the basics, like washing your hands after you take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. That, that's what's so. What, I was so surprised about that this movie had so many layers about that stuff that I was really blown away. I really thought this was going to be kind of a mediocre thriller, and I was it's a good script. It was, yeah. shows that malignant was intentional. You know, because there's something oh, yeah. to argue. Like yeah. I don't know that. I don't know if that was, it was. It was a mistake. I'm like, no. That was, they knew was, what they were doing. It was a well directed movie that got all the satire and comedy right, right, or the right tone. It's a good script. That kind of uh, uh, was very much, you know, inspired by some of the movies from the eighties and nineties, and had, you know, it it did all the right things. It wasn't like kind of a reboot or retread of a of a classic, you know, Chucky story. It really was kind of you could tell it was influenced by a lot of different things. And Akila Akila Cooper should be uh, uh, commended for that. And you're saying Gerard Johnstone, that's the director. Mm-hmm. He should be commended for it. It was like kind of like a. a just kind of like a, a happy accident, I guess, or you know, this kind of thing that happened. I was really shocked at how good it, good it was, and I'm glad that the movie made a lot of money because it means like people are more willing to see kind of this more, I, I would say, original storytelling. I mean, even though it's, it's, it's it reminds me of a lot of different movies, it, it's it is a kind of an original spin on 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 some of the stuff that we've seen before. Uh, so and I really already, enjoyed that. Um, they're already working on Megan 2. I think it's going to be called like Megan 2.0. <laughs> right. Well, and, maybe um, that was going to be the, you know, the downfall. And, but... No, the downfall would be... Um, oh, that proposed uh, sequel the, 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 with, with the third one. Yeah. Yes, the third one, which would be the crossover. Yeah, I mean, they're both they're both owned by Universal, so I see kind of like, why not? What is it? It's it's Megan, Chucky, and who else? I think it's just Megan and Chucky, right? Oh, just Megan and Chucky. I thought, Universal there was, owned. I thought there, was a different, there was a third one. Maybe uh, uh, maybe Ash from e- <laughs> Evil Dead. <laughs> no, they, they said Annabelle because it was. Oh, Annabelle, yeah, okay. Warner, you you don't want to work with Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they're looking for a franchise, you know. 
yeah, so Me- that was our our take on Megan, which is now on VOD. Uh, it's ma- it made a whole bunch of money in in theaters, and uh, yeah, great great way to start the 2023. You know, uh, with this kind of small little thriller movie. Uh, I was really really pleased by it. Um, all right, let's get into what we recently saw. Uh, Rich, let's talk about Plane. Oh, okay. Tell us what Plane is. Plane is the latest action thriller from uh, Ger- uh, Gerard Butler that he produces, of course. And it also stars uh, um, Luke Cage. Uh, what's Mike, his name? Again? Mike Coulter. Mike Coulter, yeah, in a, in a supporting role. And uh, Gerard Butler is an airplane um, pilot who gets, um, who's, uh, gets Mike Coulter as a passenger who happens to be, uh, you know, a, a criminal. <laughs> they, is, yeah, they recently and, and they, they, they confiscate his plane, basically making it Con Air. And, uh, <laughs> and, and well, I mean, uh, Mike Coulter plays like kind of a fugitive that they, they recently caught. He's a they say mm-hmm. his he killed somebody. Uh, mm-hmm. It's they don't really kind of go into what, his history, but then, not really. So he is a passenger on the on the plane. Uh, Gerard Butler plays the pilot, and what happens is they get uh, what lightning it was some kind of uh, weather. Lightning, light, lightning hits one of the engines, and, and they or actually, a, hit, uh, uh, yeah, it hits the uh, electronics in the in the, the cab. We don't even see it. Uh, yeah, uh, it just kind of fries the plane, and they are forced to crash land on a uh, on a on a on an island in the Philippines, I guess it is. But yeah, it's a, it happens, but, to, happens to be a um, a, um unsanctioned part of the the uh, the island, or yeah, where it's uh, controlled by uh, you know mercenaries. Or uh, you know Terror- terrorists, yeah, yeah, and so John Butler's got to find a way to communicate back to to the airport, uh, get a rescue it's, team going, and the airline, you know, uh, get help, and also mm-hmm. has to protect his passengers, which is only about like ten people. I mean, it was not a full plane. It's uh, it, it was it was funny because it's like uh, it was set during the New Year's Eve or New Year's Day or something like that. Yeah, New Year's Eve. Yeah, so not very much people on the plane, which makes sense because this is a low budget thriller, <laughs> uh-huh. and so. Uh, um, but it's very much. It's funny because this is very much like a Gerard Butler. This is the type of Gerard Butler movies that he's that he's been doing lately. You know, these low budget thrillers, action thrillers. Uh, what was your feelings, Rich, about it? Watching it. I thought it was yeah. I thought it was a good throwback to the, like uh, the those action movies from the eighties and nineties, which are which were. Cheap but good, and uh, it, it really was. It's exactly what it was. It, it's cheap but good. <laughs> you could tell that some of the scenes are, oh, they could have used some more uh, money in the uh, on the uh, explosions or whatever the special effects. Like yeah, special effects, especially during the the, the plane, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning. Uh, but yeah, it was fine for what it was. It was just it's still entertaining uh, um, from beginning to end, and uh, it's it's um, it could have used a little more. Um, um, like uh, characters in, in, in involvement with the, some of the passengers would have been better in a way, but uh, it's it's fine for what it was. It's uh, um, the 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 criminals, whatever the, the head criminals um, could have been more um, scary. Um, yeah, more um, involved too, and but um, they were just generic. Um, but overall, the movie was fine. It was a uh, it was it was a good 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 action thriller. Yeah, I mean, I saw the movie too, and um, um, it is a. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was. I thought it was going to be a little bit better. True, but it, it, it it's, is, it's it is exactly cheap. what it is. It's it pretty cheap. I mean, the way it's shot and the way it looks and the way it's acted, it feels pretty cheap. And 
so it, it feels more like a streaming movie or or straight sure. to, straight to video than than a movie that because this was actually went out in theaters for a couple of weeks and then and it didn't do out and do that well but um but it, it does feel like a like a, a like a VOD movie and if you see it in that kind of light it's like actually a better one of those better VOD action films you know this is mm-hmm. I, I this is a lot I think this is a little bit better than they'll say. Bruce Willis action films, or you know, oh some, come on, yeah. <laughs> what? That's, I think it's, that's, it's, that's I'm just it's, a given. Well, I'm, I think it. Well, is that the problem? Is like the character development. I really, really would love to see more of Mike Coulter in the movie. He he has a great premise, but we don't get to know him that much. I like to see them team up a little bit, but they don't really team up as I thought they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do like there there were some elements that I didn't see. You know, like, so, and, and there were some action sequence that felt very clunky. So it's mm-hmm. it's not it's not like a uh, I I can't give you like an overwhelming enthusiastic uh, um, recommendation, but yeah, no, it's certainly no, I, it's I, certainly I, okay. I movie. Yeah, it's just like it's one of those okay movies, like like Gerard and Liam Neeson movies. It's, it's just uh, one of those you know, it's not it's not a Taken, and it's not no. a, a and it's not a um, Den of Thieves. But it's just okay. I mean, it's fine. It's for what it is, it, and it is. A, it should be a a decent uh, VOD kind of a not full price, but you know, halfway uh, <laughs> price. But yeah, if if you want to wait for streaming, that's fine. It's a good streamer. Well, yeah. I mean, do, for instance, the last Gerard Butler movie you saw was Cop Shop. I mean, Cop Shop is a lot better than this, don't you think? Oh yes, 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 and then uh, and that's uh, like I said, better characters involved in that and. Mm-hmm. Uh, writing and directing and then um and the action in that is just a lot more uh pizzazz and stuff like mm-hmm. that so it's but but i would say this, this. Is- i would say this i saw gerard butler's last film on netflix it was called the last last scene alive which is kind of like a missing wife thriller suspense thriller yeah and that was terrible <laughs> that was a piece of shit <laughs> Uh, although Gerard Butler, you know, you know, he does what he does. He's really good at doing that kind of suspense acting thing, like he, what he does in playing. He's good at those kind of situations where we see him in these dire situations. We like to see him in those things. He's he, he could he's really good at that. Uh, but but playing is a much better movie than Last Scene of or Last Scene Alive, which is just a really kind of terrible B movie level. Uh, just, yeah, for for that for that type of movie, I really recommend. Uh, uh, Kurt Russell's breakdown because that's yeah. that's the movie that they should have made. Basically. Right, that's what I was expecting when I was wa- watching. Yeah, it, I seen it, it looked like a complete uh, complete ripoff, but but with uh, a low it, low budget. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah zero but, budget. Um, I really liked Greenland a lot. I oh, thought really? Greenland. Oh, yeah, I thought Greenland was a pretty great movie for you know for what it is for what they were trying to do. I thought mm. they accomplished is it's a kind of uh, disaster movie that was more focused on the characters and stuff. So it kind of th- to, was reminded me of like. Kind of older um, uh, disaster movies, but um, like for some reason, it kind of reminded me of something like the like Poseidon Adventure because it just focused on the characters and like yeah. the drama. No, I would say Greenland is a better movie than Plane. Yeah, well, I w- I really wanted to see Plane, and listening to your review, I have no interest in watching the movie anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, but Rich, you saw you saw Greenland. Did you think Greenland was better than Plane? uh greenland was just okay to me mm-hmm. uh it, it was just it was just fine because i saw oh. it all coming uh ahead of time i mean it was nothing right new i mean you to me yeah i mean the, uh, the, the whole the whole idea of greenland is like there's a 
comics getting out of yeah there's a yeah apocalyptic coming towards america or towards the world and they have to go to a secret they have to find a government sanctioned uh yeah greenland they have to go to greenland yeah yeah, yeah. That, that was the place where everyone's gonna survive this kind of mm-hmm. apocalyptic uh comet that's gonna hit uh, the world and so there are very little spaces and you know there so he's running around the, the town and he's trying to save his family it's very much like yeah, you know, all the it's the end of a movie. world yeah, yeah, it's the end of world war. Yeah. I thought that was a much better film than Plane. I, 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 like I said, I, I, there's some great moments in Plane, but I thought well, I, that that had a, that had a better family element to it. So it's it's once you have that, you have something to work with a lot more than by yourself mm-hmm. in a plane, whatever. All right, let's talk about our next film, which which is a movie that uh, Raymond saw in theaters because you're a big fan of this <laughs> franchise. <laughs> You saw the latest uh, install- installment of House Party. Really, it's kind of a modern day remake, or I don't even know what would you call it—a reimagining of the franchise, or is it? I don't, I don't know. know what it, I don't know what necessarily to call it either, because House Party is like a thing in in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see a kid in play in the movie too, right? Like for cameo. Yeah, and it, it's and it's so weird because it's it's a very kind of insulting cameo. <laughs> also, it's like a kind of like they're. Um, uh, a spoiler, I guess. About <laughs> what? Like playing, like uh, about who they're playing. Oh, they're not Can playing they themselves. Play? They're not playing. Uh... They are playing themselves, but there's like a, a twist to it. All right, just leave it for people who want to see the movie. <laughs> we should mention this. This was produced by LeBron James. He his his house plays a part in the movie. As like the it focuses on two. I guess they, are they like house cleaners of some kind, like two house cleaners, working class uh, dudes with children. Who are in financial trouble, and they're kind of are employed at the, as this house clean cleaning company, and they're cleaning mm-hmm. the house of LeBron James. Are, are they getting fired? Basically, yeah, they're they're getting they're getting fired uh, from their jobs, and um, uh, so they're kind of like you know every, everything's relying on this. And basically, basically, one of the guys who's I guess supposed to be the kid of the story, because one of the guys is you know very kind of. Uh, the smart one, I guess, and then there's the other one that's the wild one, and the the basically uh, the 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 kid the kid of this movie he's he he needs money for his daughter's school or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. He needs money for his daughter's school, so he's like, okay, let's you know, so let's throw a hot LeBron James baby. Yeah, let's let's, yeah. let's throw a party because uh, uh, he's because like, I guess LeBron James is out of town, and so it's empty. Yeah. And so they're going to play. And, they're going to throw and they and they go party. through all his. They go through all his contacts and invite <laughs> everyone on his phone. That's also stupid. <laughs> it's yeah. It, it it gets weird though, and I don't know if I should talk about it because it's, it's spoiler, spoilers. If anyone cares, I don't. I don't know if anyone cares. Well, who's the stars of it? This is a uh, Tosin Tosin Cole and Jacob Latimer Latimer. Yeah, uh, he is. Uh, I guess he's from uh, The Shy. Uh, I've seen his name before. He's a yeah. He's a he's a kid actor, but now he's now kind of grown up now. Uh, so he was probably he's probably the reason why uh, Lena Lena Waithe or whatever makes a cameo. Oh, okay. And Tolson Tuls, Cole is a American born British actor who's kind of just known for Doctor Who. I guess uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, and uh, this guy, unfortunately, I think is the biggest problem with the movie. Tosin Cole, mm-hmm. he's probably a great actor because, like, uh, yeah, if, I mean, if he's British or and this is his this is his American or whatever, it, it's convincing. Mm-hmm. But he's playing such like 
stereotype? No, there's no, there's nothing comedic about his mm. performance. Like mm. he's just, he's trying to do, he's trying, he's supposed to be the funny one. He's supposed to be like, I guess like the, almost like the Chris Tucker. Cause he's supposed to be like this, like oh, fast, fast talking. talking kind of a uh, uh, ladies man and he smooth talker. Mm. And he's just painfully unfunny. <laughs> and, um, if they had actually just hired comedians, because look, the Jacob Lattimore, he he's like the straight man. So it's like, you know, he's doing fine. He's doing whatever. But this dude, he really like everything was really relying on him. And he just does not have a comedic bone in his body. He's just I don't understand how he got, he got cast. And again, I'm sure he's a great dramatic actor, but this this is like I, I think a career ending performance, and oh, he wow. should be lucky that nobody's seen nobody's <laughs> seen it because he comedically he has he has nothing, and and um, there's even YouTubers in his movie that are like funnier than him. It's it's sad, really. But I, I want to say that you initially when you were your initial reactions was much more positive than because I was surprised <laughs> where the movie goes in the second half, which I'm okay. not okay. sure I'm allowed to talk about, but it goes in a direction that. Um, which is kind of funny because I've been seeing online the reactions from from some people that went to go see the movie, and a lot of people were actually liking the first half of the movie. And then once it gets to the second half and it takes this really weird direction, that's when they they're like, "Screw this movie, I hate it." Mm-hmm. But for me, I was like, "No, this is like, now now it's actually doing something interesting." Because <laughs> huh. yeah, you're saying the second but, uh, part, the second part of the movie kind of goes off from the franchise, doesn't? Yes, it, it does something really stupid but i was kind of like uh i'm i'm for it <laughs> <laughs> well i mean okay how about this i mean this is directed they by... leave the house party eventually and go somewhere else okay so it becomes like a buddy comedy or something like that no it becomes something it totally even stranger. stranger it becomes almost like a, a key and peel thing okay so this was directed by a guy named come cal matt matic Calmatic. He's a, music, yeah, he's a music video director. Yes, this is feature film debut. He's kind of known for Old Town Road, that kind of famous uh, uh, video. Little Nas X video. Yeah, and yeah. a ton of other things. And he he has another movie coming out right t- this year. It's uh, it's, the, a, it's a White Man Can't Jump. Is it? He's doing the White Camp, uh, the White Man Can't Jump uh, remake or reboot. Horrible. <laughs> so, what's your? Uh, you think the, the problem was the, the 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 direction or 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 the script? I think it's or? the I think it's the whole movie, <laughs> <laughs> the whole concept, just doing a house the whole party. Concept. The whole concept. Uh, and I think having LeBron as the producer didn't yeah. help. I think the, yeah. the casting again, this Tosin Cole, he's probably a great dramatic actor, but he shouldn't have been cast in this, as this, as this character. Uh, for me, really, I guess the saving grace of the movie is probably uh, Kid Cudi. <laughs> oh, and, um, uh, Andrew Santino, I mean, he's a great comedian. He's he's got a couple moments in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in. Um, uh, what was he in recently? Um, oh, the Dave. Dave. Dave, yeah, Dave. Oh yeah, and uh, uh, DC Youngfly uh, ha- has uh, a few moments too, but I think his character is horribly written. But uh, he's supposed to be basically be the Martin Lawrence of this one because Martin Lawrence was like the DJ, and um, he's like the DJ, and he has all the he he. I guess he should have been really the the second lead instead of this toast and coal, but you know, whatever. <laughs> well, it's funny. Cause like, uh, this was written by Steven Glover, who's uh, Donald Glover's brother. He's a mm-hmm. producer and writer on Atlanta. Yeah. And, and I get the second half almost feels like one of those weird episodes of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Cause there's some episodes of Atlanta that are very like 
goes off Satirical the rails. Satirical and don't, yeah, and go off the rails and doesn't feel like it's part of the show's like canon, if you will. Right. And like that, that's kind of where the second half goes. It, it, it gets very bizarre and satirical. And I, I, I just couldn't believe I was watching House Party. <laughs> well, Stephen Glover co wrote the, the script with Jamal or Lori. And so uh, it's funny because I, I was reading the quote that they said that uh, when they got attached to, the, to, do the, to write the, the project, originally they, they, they got the, the job because. <laughs> Because originally they wanted just LeBron James in the movie, like this was going to be a Le- house party, but Le- LeBron James in the movie, and they said, "Well, that's a stupid idea. Let's just make it LeBron James' house." <laughs> and like, that's all you need, really, to to, to you know succeed in Hollywood. Just come up with that's even a stupider idea. I mean, this whole thing is stupid to have LeBron. Wait, was James LeBron going to be? Was LeBron James? He, did he want to be the star of the movie, like in Space Jam, or was he going to have a cameo? His, uh, apparently, this whoever who was producing this stuff, they wanted LeBron James and Drake to play the kid and play part. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and they came in, oh, so god. they pitched that idea to these guys, these these writers, uh, and they said, "No way! That's so stupid." And then they're the ones who came up. Well, let's just make it LeBron James's house. And again, I just don't know. I mean, this is Hollywood for you. I mean, one well, bad one bad idea doesn't help the other. Uh, what's that? Why didn't they hire comedians? I know, I know, I don't know. I mean, the the the, the great thing about the original House Party, and we talked a little bit about this. Uh, was it, well, you know, a lot of the reason the movie worked was like because you know uh, I think the kind of chemi- the real life chemistry and like love that uh, kid and play had for each other kind of really shined through. Yeah, and their their kind of comedic um, back and forth really came came with it. You know, it was like a package together, so um, it, it worked. You know, and you know they weren't great actors. No, and, no, you know, but it was it was it worked for the movie. It was serviceable. It was their you know the personalities came through with with the parts mm-hmm. in the in the original film. And they, yeah, and they were just naturally funny dudes. Yeah, and I think you know, like like I was saying to you guys before we you know weeks ago that the original film works because Reginald Hudlin, who wrote and directed and mm-hmm. produced that original film, uh, was really a part of that kind of um, what he called happy rap uh, scene, and Heavy D and the Boys, and you uh, know, uh, you know that type of you know can play that really kind of that. He rap. did one of those movies also, right? Uh, we mean which one? He did another another um, like hip hop uh, related movie, right? Reginald Hudlin. He did. Uh, like did Nine did. No, he, he, he was mostly known for. Well, House Party was his first film, and then he did Boomerang, which was a big deal because that really showed Eddie Murphy as a romantic lead. And then you know the, he, he kind of suffered a little bit, and he really kind of like, you know, uh, he, he's actually a better producer now. I guess he's mo- most known for being a producer. For a little bit what was that he did comics for a little bit right oh yeah he wrote some he wrote for the black panther i believe and uh, he, he recently produced jangle on chain for uh quinn tarantino oh he produced that yeah he was a producer on that and uh very active on that he also did, directed a uh, really good movie marshall with chadwick boseman which i think is probably one of chadwick boseman's best films uh you know that uh, kind of biopic of the lawyer Thing uh, mm-hmm. and with what's Josh Josh Gad is is it in that too? I thought that I thought that was a really good movie. That's that, that was kind of a return of of, of Reginald Hudlin uh, as a as a film director. Um, 
but yeah, I uh, with House Party, the original House Party, you know, he was he was able to capture that moment in in hip hop history where, you know, it was about dancing, it was about having a good time, it was about you know going to these house parties, and uh, I, rap music nowadays just doesn't fit in that. Or they would have to change it up, or I don't, I don't know how you would make a remake of House Party in the same way. It was just. I don't know. I mean, it, you know, House Party, the original House Party, was really kind of in, in, the, in the vein of those kind of teen comedies at the time, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, you would, first of all, it would be smart to hire, you know, characters that aren't adults to become uh, yeah, South that, Park. Yeah, well, that's... That was so... That was a weird thing. Because they're, they're yeah. like out of school, right? This is not high school people. They're not college no, dudes either. Yeah, they're, they're adults, yeah. It's, it's a very, very bizarre choice that really makes no sense at all. Because um, they could have just really come up with any other reason. This could have been like almost like a a Friday type of movie. Because mm-hmm. like when the movie works, like it was never funny, but at least had like it was it was it wasn't like a painful movie to sit through. And then the first half, I did it did have like a, a kind of almost like an Ice Cube like Friday or barbershop vibe. It just wasn't funny, unlike you know those movies. Well, so, right after right after this movie came out, Boys in the Hood came out. So even the original uh, House original. I was talking about the remake. <laughs> well, Rich, we, we, you remember we, we actually we both watched House Party in theaters for the first time. Sure. Uh, and uh, do you remember watching it in theaters? Yeah, I think it was the Buck Theaters, right? <laughs> yeah, it was the Buck yeah, Theaters right, right. Near, near the Orange Mall, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it, and when we when we watched it, it, it came after like a lot of hype. But I think it was, uh, I, I want to say it played in Sundance. Which I don't know if that's true, but it it had a lot of hype about how good the movie is or. This well, was I remember we we saw the review on Siskel and Ebert, and mm-hmm. uh, Ebert raved over it. Yeah, and that, that's I think we went to go see it after that, shortly after that. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, also we're, yeah, we're kind I of fan, we're kind of fan. We're at the time we were fans of Kid and <clears throat> Play. I mean, they were kind of blowing up at, at the time. No, but this is the, this is the film that made us fans. Oh, was it? I think I thought we knew kind of already knew their music before this. Oh, um, you know a little bit. But, but uh, it, it's this is the film that this is the this is definitely the film that made us a fans of a full force. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I mean, full force. So the, the great surprise of House Party, you know, other than then you know, kid and play are good actors. That you got these really great performances by Full Force, who are the the bullies in the movie, and uh, Full Force is kind of like this. Uh, I guess they were like bef- before the sw- uh, what was it called uh, New They're Jack like Swing, yeah. They were kind of new uh, R&B, hip hop, uh, but it was kind of like before New Jack Swing movement. They were kind of like right in that time where they were kind of doing their own stuff. And they worked a lot with a lot of people as producers, but they had their own kind of band. But like one of the great kind of scenes in House Party was uh, Ain't That Type of Hype uh, dance sequence where we're kid and plays dancing to Ain't That Type of Hype, which is a full force song. Uh, and it's probably one of the great, I would say one of the great music dance sequences in the 90s. Yeah, um, for some reason in, in this in this new one, they they are they're always recreating that dance for no reason. <laughs> uh, what's also weird is uh, in this new one, they uh, they bring back like full force like characters. Like there's the three bullies that are doing like basically doing their best impersonations of the full force characters from the original House Party, uh-huh. and um, it's so weird. Like because <laughs> they're doing the same kind of comedic tone, and it doesn't really fit. In this movie, um, because you know the the original House Party, it had it had its kind of comedic tone and stuff to it. This new one, it felt 
it, it, it's definitely not as good, but it felt more kind of like grounded and stuff. So when you have these full force characters show up in the new one that are like very kind of cartoony and stuff, like one talking almost like a Looney Tunes character, mm-hmm. it felt so bizarre and so out of place and it just did not work at all. And they were bloods for some reason. <laughs> of course they're. Was it, so it's, was it sitting in LA? I, I guess. Because yeah, I, I think the original house party was kind of sitting in a non-descripted town. You know, like let's talk a little bit about the original because I think the original was such a classic. And also, you got you. We I I hate to think that people are forgetting Robert Harris because Robert Harris plays the kid's father. Yeah, he, baby's kids. Baby's <laughs> kids, right? And he was a comedian who only lasted. I mean, only kind of lived up to. I think. Well, I'm looking up his uh, Wikipedia page. He only li- guess how old he died. He died very young, but guess mm-hmm. how old he died, Rich? Mm, probably like 32. Oh yeah, well he was thirty six. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, yeah. he I was, was. I know he was young. I knew he was young. But, was but you know, he's playing kid's father. You think he's like a, maybe a much older man? Yeah, I thought he was much older. <laughs> he was like a, looked like he's in his forties. But he was like a guy who was a comedian. Like he did, he had a brief appearance, and I, uh, 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 I'm going to get you sucker. Mm. The uh, the comedy. I'm yeah, gonna, and Hollywood Shuffle, I think, which we were, we were both fans of. Uh, Harmony Nights. Oh, Hollywood Shuffle too. Uh, yeah. No, no. I'm thinking the other guy. Who got to eat too? Oh, no, no, um, no. But he was in Harlem Nights, real really quick. That's the Eddie Murphy film, and mm-hmm. Do the Right Thing. He also had a part in Do the Right Thing. So he had a. Uh, he very much was a part of the community, the comic community, the black comic community. He was so great, and I would say House Party was the one that really showcased his acting abilities because like in the other in the other movies he's just like in small parts and he's just doing these kind of comedic roles but him playing like the father of kid he was fantastic and you could show you could see that he could, he could have really been a really great he could have been an ex Bernie Mac or something like that yeah and he was like truly like amazing in that film because even though like I like House Party 2 and 3 enough you feel his <laughs> his absence you feel his absence, you know, in, in those in those sequels. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it just wasn't um, it wasn't yeah. the same. It wasn't the same without. I would say I would say all his lines in in the original House Party was probably him coming up with stuff because he would use it in his stand up, you know, you know, like uh, follow the drip, follow the drip, you know, mm. uh, and and him having those, you know, it's funny because there's a great scene where he's harassed by the the cops, and I'm I'm fresh from a cop's ass, you're making me homesick, you know. He had like really great funny lines in the movie, and. I just hope like people could, like go back and really appreciate who he was because he's you know because he died so young. I don't think uh, he's almost a kind of a forgotten comedian of the nineties. Uh, kind of like Bernie Mac. I hope people go back to see Bernie Mac too. He was someone who died too young too. Well, unfortunately, LeBron James, you know, didn't help anything with his remake. It's <laughs> right. usually a remake, you know, is causes people to go back and like yeah. celebrate the original. The way this movie was released and everything, it's just it didn't it didn't even it didn't even accomplish that. Nice yeah. going, LeBron. You, <laughs> you messed up Space Jam, which was never, you know, a great movie to begin with. But how how did you screw it up that bad? And now, once again, ruining another franchise, franchise from the '90s. I mean, way to go, LeBron. <laughs> Talk about uh, your your fascination with House Party because you went back to see a couple of the sequels. Yeah, well, I I, I always avoided House Party House Party Four because. Um, well, I, I got introduced to the House Party uh, franchise in, in middle school through my friends that you know grew up with it when they were little kids, but uh, they always told me to skip four, so I never <laughs> watched four. And then it was on HBO Max, and I'm like, well, if I'm going to go see the new one, 
let's see if it's you know at least better than House Party Four. So I watched House Party Four, and I was blown away by how awful it is. Now <laughs> I'm going to say right now, this new House Party is much better than House Party Four. House Party Four is like a, a shoestring budget, um, all black cast uh, remake of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and it's it is completely awful because no one in the movie is funny. And it stars these uh, three, like, um, it starts the three little kids uh, that were in um, House Party 3. Uh, they're like, a, they were a rap and R&B group called uh, Immature. Oh, and yeah. Then, um, and in and, and, um, House Party 4, they weren't the little kids anymore. They were, I think, like, you know, 18, 19, something like that, maybe 17. And um, so it's more like a teen comedy, but it was, it was just awful. It's just, again, it's. It's a shoestring version of a shoestring budget version of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and it just it just made me wish I was watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I and look and and look, I, I I'm I was born in the '90s. I don't even love Ferris Bueller's Day Off as much as some some other people that might. But this movie was just you know fucking trash. <laughs> well, you you mentioned like it looks like a, a dime store or cheap store. I, I saw the trailer for four. And it looked like like it was shot on video, right? Like it shot like on yeah, really cheap yeah. video. It looked like a music video. <laughs> and uh, Kid and Play were going to have a, a cameo in that movie, but they turned it down because they were like, "This just feels like it's you know res- disrespectful to the franchise that we've been building." <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I was shocked when you, you told me that you saw uh, number four. I was uh, I was shocked that they were they, they made a four because I only remember like the first two. I don't even remember the third one really. The third I- one was Kid's Wedding. Mm. I do remember Kid and Play doing class act. Is that it? That was like the one that came out. That was good. Uh, that was like, yeah, that's like the best movie after House Party. Yeah, that was a great. That was not part of the franchise, but that was a pretty fun, like, you know, high school comedy again, you know, bullies. Whole, it was like, kind of like museum stuff. Yeah, it was, it was trying to capture the same spirit as House Party, but I think they did it. I mean, I think it's a, it's, I, I would say it's a, one of their kind of better films, you know, the careers of you know, House Party. It's a great kind of double feature. The one good thing about House Party 3, though, was like all the cameos because like Chris Tucker shows up in the movie, and I think it was his first movie. And like Bernie Mac shows up, and like so many people are in it. I think it, it, TLC shows up in the movie. <laughs> like ev- everyone's in that movie, and that was like a, a cameo fest. And that was kind of cool about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I th- when, when House Party came out in the you know, 1990s, there was like a, um, really quick moment and uh of capturing that moment of hip-hop and you know like once it gets to 1994 it's like gangster rap you know it's like it hip-hop changes like actually i would say 1992 i mean it so the the the, the culture and the it changes genre, like every five years yeah the genre just changed completely and i think it kind of killed that kind of whole movement of, of having fun hip-hop having... hip-hop moves faster than other genres <laughs> yeah, you know what i, I mean yeah, other other genres I think last like a full decade. Hip hop is like five years, <laughs> and yeah. then it's on onto a new a new sound. What, what's the, what, I ha- I haven't heard a rap song in the, in the last twenty years. What, what's the what's the hip hop scene now? Is, oh, it, is it considered good? Is it considered like decent or? It's probably not considered very good if you're like listening to a lot of the mainstream. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of like good. Uh, rap uh, it depends what you're looking for because i i like mainstream rap but it's more it's more from i wouldn't say it's for the lyrics mm-hmm. it's 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 more kind of creating the sound you're doing something different innovate innovating with the beats and and um and stuff like that mm-hmm. um 
but if you want to listen to good lyrics, there's stuff out there. You just have to look for it. And most of it's not mainstream. All right. That was our thoughts on House Party. Your thoughts on House Party, the remake, and our thoughts on the original House Party. Okay, so for our next uh, movie, we got to talk about we got to talk about You People, which is came, it comes out, it just came out on Netflix a, a couple weeks ago, and it, actually a lot of people were talking about this movie. But before we kind of go into You People, uh, me and Rich saw a couple movies. Uh, Till, which is like the, the Oscar, well, I guess the, the controversy is they didn't get any Oscars, but Till is that drama. Oh, about, Till! For some reason, I thought you were saying Tar. No, no, Till, Till, no, no, <laughs> no not Till. Uh, uh, Till, which is the Emmett Till bio, drama biopic. With a great performance by uh, uh, Danielle Denweiler. And she got kind of snubbed for the Oscars. Uh, and the other one we saw recently also is Devotion, which is the kind of um, Korean War thriller drama with uh, Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell. Let's start with Till, Rich. What were your thoughts on Till? And just a really quick, quick um, summary is that, you know, this is based on the, the, the horrible story about the murder, the lynching of Emmett Till. This is kind of focused on the mother, uh, Mammy, mm-hmm. who uh, mm-hmm. is played what beautiful, beautifully by Daniel Deadweiler. Uh, yeah, you, which what was your thoughts on Till? Yeah, this is direct uh, direction wise. It's it's very generic, maybe even TV movie, TV movie of the week type yeah. of directing. Um, but the performance wise, yeah, that's where her performance stood out the most. Um, and, you know, a lot of the cast did pretty well too. I mean, uh, um. I think uh, one of the actors from House Party, the Tolson Cole, who was horrible as a, as the second lead, was right. actually in um in Till. Yeah, he played uh, Megard Megar Evers. And it was, it was, Ever, I imagine Everson. he was really good in the movie, right? He, it was a small part, and uh, I remember just saying, "Oh, it was pretty good." I mean, it was a small, but it was a very small part. I mean, it's uh, it's probably brought in by um, Whoopi Goldberg, who starred in uh, 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 Ghost of Mississippi. Was it? No, not yeah. Is it Ghost of Mississippi? She's in, it? in Ghost of Mississippi. Oh, I thought I thought you meant. Yeah. Um, well, she's in this um, one. She's in this one too. She's she plays. Uh, and she produces. She produces it. And, yeah, she uh, plays the, the grandmother. Ghost Mississippi was uh, where she played the the wife of Emmett Till. I mean, not Emmett Till. Um, Megar Um, that that made that made sense once I saw that he was he was involved in the movie itself. Um, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not 100 percent sure that was true or not, but um, it, it's very probably, possible. Probably, probably it's true. Yeah. I mean, the, I think um, the whole idea is that. Me- Mammy Till, who's the you know the the wife or the the mother of Emmett Till, that that you know her her decision to have an open casket uh, was the kind of the, the launching pad of of the civil rights movement, or at least well, the, her role her her whole role in NAACP, um, you know uh, she became a a focal point and then she carried on throughout her life, uh, you know right being uh, uh, you know. Uh, a spokeswoman, a spokeswoman for the, the you know, the, yeah. The, yeah, the civil the, rights movement. movement. And I, I think all this, all this stuff is really great. <clears throat> all this stuff is like, I, I love that they brought this up. The, the, to me, the problem with the movie, and I, I think you, you had, you hit it, hit it on, on the nail on the head, is that it does feel like a TV movie or it feels like a cable movie. Uh, uh, and, and a lot of it has to do because it was really, but it, the budget was very low. It's 20 million. And this, this, this movie was only 20 million. And I think because of mm. the the weight of the story and the epic, but you can scope make a great movie with twenty million. You, yeah, I mean, but we were I, just talking about like um, like Megan was made was made for twenty million. It looks like it was made for a lot more than that. Well, you should I, be able to do a drama like this for twenty million. I feel like filmmakers in the past could have made a drama like this for ten million. 
But I think the epic, the, the scope of it was was a little mm. too much. I think it. it, it okay. It, 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 you're also talking. You're, you're you know you're also you have to set this in a historical context. You know this was taking place in 1955, around that mm-hmm. time. You also you know that's that that takes a lot of uh, money. So I mean, it, mm-hmm. this movie should have been a little bit more than twenty million to ha- to take on that kind of epic scope. And so uh, because of that, I think it feels uh, uh, like a cable TV, like movie. a TV movie. Yeah, not it, it depends on the the director who gets involved in it and the and the uh, cinematography that they decide to go with. I think it was too, too bright in a lot of uh, situations. It was just too, um, it needed more filtering in the. Uh, well, it feels very much like a digital film, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 just, um, it uh, it's just uh, you know it 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 might even been better if it wasn't shot in like mostly black and white, or I mean, so it definitely needed some different color grading and maybe some filters. Uh, a movie that came out a couple years ago uh, called Passing, who was directed by Rebecca Hall, brilliantly, um, uh, and that's why I met the how uh, it, it was mostly. It, it seemed like it was a, a black and white film, right? But it was it was really um, it was a black and white film, yeah. Okay, so but uh, it, it stuck out a lot more. The, um, I don't know. It was just a different direction that uh, that to me yeah. was a lot better uh, um, uh, story uh, storytelling. Yeah, and, I think uh, I think with this movie with Till, and I think what drew me out of the the, the picture was that, like you were saying, because of the lighting, because of the the, the, the temperature of the film, uh, you I think you really could tell like the green screen in some parts, and uh, like the bare bones of the set. You know, the, particularly when they go into like a courtroom or stuff like that, it didn't feel like uh, it was dressed up in in a. You know, in a way that it felt like it was period uh, appropriate. Not like, not, not like there was like, you know, cell phones everywhere or something like that. It, it was just a little bare for my taste. I mean, I thought I thought it needed like something. Then I could, but all in all, I think it's a it's a it's a solid okay movie <laughs> with, right, a, right. with a really great performance by De- Daniel Deadwa- uh, Deadweiler. Uh, who really I only know from uh, uh, that Western movie on Netflix. Um, what was it called? Um, the harder they fall. The harder, it? the harder they fall. Which I thought she was really good in that because she played a cookie, like a kind of a, a, a tomboy type of character. And here she's playing a, a kind of like a really a grieving mother. You know, and she had to put a lot of uh, emotions in her performance. I thought she did a very good job. Uh, unfortunately, she got snubbed in the Oscars, which happens because she's not really that known. Uh, I, but I don't think that's that's the end of her. I think she's going to have a long career. Uh, what's your thoughts, Rich? Yeah, I, I agree that she was snubbed. Um, I I, didn't, I I thought she did much better than uh, uh, Michelle Williams, uh-huh. and I thought Michelle Williams wasn't in the best actress category uh, uh, as well. I thought she her category should have been best supporting actress because uh, I don't think her screen time in uh, in uh, Fablemans. the Fablemans was the Fablemans was that long. Uh-huh. Um, um, but so you, you, um, you were you were replaced here with the, with Michelle Williams in that category. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but her and uh, um, and at the Armist, uh, I, I thought she did. Uh, um, okay, I thought she did a great job. But the movie wasn't um, it wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that one. But but, we're, but, but um, we both celebrate that you know Anna de Armas is nominated for an Oscar and a Razzie the same year, right? <laughs> That's a, a difficult well, feat I, to to achieve, and she got one. 
yeah, your final thoughts on Till because we're going to move on. Well, I don't think Kate Blanchett was. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, you were not. You know, like like Raymond was saying, we're we're not going to review Tar because we didn't like Tar. And I, I don't want to. Go well, I didn't it. see Tar. I might love it. Yeah, you might actually. You might do. You might would. You probably could love it. We'll see. We'll see. We'll mm-hmm. see. I might. I might just never watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to like spend any time talking about that movie. I, I think it's a little overblown and overhyped. But uh, Rich, your final th- thoughts on Till? I definitely would have voted her more than uh, uh, Viola Davis. Yeah, yeah, D- Daniel Deadweiler. Uh, yeah, if it was right. up to those two, I would certainly s- s- agree that Daniel Deadweiler did a better job. Um, yeah, so uh, really, like I was saying, really strong, okay movie with a great performance. That's at the heart of the film, and I think that's the best way to describe it, describe that film. So it's uh, available now on VOD, and probably will come on on some streaming services soon devotion this is on paramount plus uh, this is a movie that came out uh in uh, in theaters but really kind of bombed in theaters uh did it deserve to bomb rich deserve um no not not that much but it did fall in that category where it's uh like uh how midway was like it looked very cgi um <laughs> on on the as far as the trailers goes but seeing it on film, uh, I mean, uh, actually watching the, the film itself, I thought the planes were fine. I mean, yeah, it looked it, good. It, I thought I was yeah. really impressed by the special effects in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. and maybe because it's we're watching on on TV, I didn't see a really big difference between this movie and Top Gun Maverick. And everyone no, talks no, about no, no, no. I, I, I would say that. I didn't see that much of a difference. And then I know everyone talks about how you know Top Gun Maverick, or you know, they went up in the air and all that stuff, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's very impressive, but. Devotion was equally impressive, and that I know that it was all kind of shot in green screen, and it was like perfectly fine. I thought they did a really good job. Mm-hmm. I guess the you know director J.D. Dillard, who uh, this is probably his most high-profile film, has done a couple of small pictures. Uh, did a really good job when it comes to when it came to the those sequences, those kind of uh, pilot pilot sequences, of you know the fighting in the air sequences. I don't know, mm-hmm. Rich. What's your feelings of the movie of Devotion? I thought the movie was just okay. It was, it was fine. I mean, it, it, uh, it was it was actually better than okay, uh, but the, it was a little little too long. Um, but another a great performance by Jonathan Majors. It, it, it just with roles like this or whatever that he, he brings to it, mm-hmm. he is uh, he is a star. Um, so uh, he's he's capable of. of of this, um, I'm really hoping this Kang, uh, he's able to pull it off because that, it's not, uh, it's not, a, it's not on him. It's on the, it's on the writers. Yeah, I know, but, uh, uh, he's gotta be, uh, threatening. Mm-hmm. He's gotta be just as good. I mean, he's being com- compared to Thanos or whatever. Right. He's and, the next uh, big baddie for the Marvel universe. Right. And, so and, it's gotta, so in, yeah. in this movie he kind of plays a real person, plays Jesse, Jesse Brown. Uh, who is mm-hmm. kind of the most decorated, or they say the most decorated uh, naval pilot in, uh, in during the Korean War. Mm-hmm. This is kind of his, his life story. What's your thoughts on that performance of what Jonathan Majors did in this this film? His performance was great, and uh, I like uh, how Glenn Powell was uh, played off him, and uh, uh, they both um, were fine together. And I liked most of the cast. Most of the cast was great and uh, uh, believable. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but I just wish the script was a little more tighter, and the uh, you know, like I said, the, the runtime was a little long. Well, I think uh, I, I kind of agree with you. I think the first act was kind of drawn out, 
I don't think you really need it to be that long. It, it really, I think once we get to the third act, once, once we get to like the fight scenes, the battle scenes, it really takes off, you know, no pun mm-hmm. intended, but it really kind of takes off and it becomes more exciting. We spend a lot of time with the, with the, with the characters. And I, when, when we spend a lot of time with the characters, I don't think we ever really learn about those characters that much. I mean, other than the, that, uh, you know, you know, there there were some people liked each other, some people didn't like each other. You know, they there was natural uh, ribbing against you know uh, mm-hmm. making fun of each other, but yet they were kind of their own unit in in, in, the, in the navy. Uh, there was some infighting with other kind of uh, military, like the, the army or whatever. Uh, again, I, I did, that could have been a little more fleshed out, I, but I did like kind of there. There was a point where they 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 spend a uh, a, a, a weekend at Cannes Film Festival, you know that was part oh, of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And they meet Elizabeth Taylor. And I thought that was kind of a really fun side note or you know like side story there. So that was mm-hmm. really kind of fun. I, I thought that, I, w- I wish they had like a little more moments like that in the beginning of the movie. Then, but uh, other but once we get into the, the the Korean War, I thought that was all kind of cool. And I guess maybe I liked it a little bit more than you did, but. um yeah, I understand. It's it's not that it wasn't great. It wasn't like this. You know, I wish it was like kind of this epic film. But overall, I think it was just like like kind of like Till. I think it, I think this is a little bit better than Till, but it's kind of like Till. This was like a really good, okay movie with with a, with another strong performance in the, at, at the lead. And it didn't deserve to be a big as big of a bomb as it was. I mean, I really feel bad for uh, for uh, Glenn Powell, who, who this is his first producing gig, and. Uh, um, Producing wise, it wasn't hit. Don't worry about Glenn Powell; he's writing Captain Planet. <laughs> That's true. Oh wow! But yeah, okay. it, 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 Glenn Powell said that it was his, his choice to get Jonathan Majors to cast, you know, to, to, to be to star in this movie, and he was absolutely right. I think Jonathan made the thing about Jonathan Majors; he is such a kind of internal kind of actor that you don't necessarily see him like acting in a kind of outlandish, you know, like stage-like presence you know he kind of has an internal monologue in the whole movie where you kind of like what is this guy thinking is he you know is he is he sad is he happy who who is this guy and i i wish to kind of really really flesh that that part out a little bit more because i think at the once we get to the third act we kind of know more about him but he is a mystery through the how through the first two acts I, i didn't want him to still be a mystery i wanted to at least know something about him Maybe maybe spend a little more time with his wife, um, and maybe we could get that inner inner thoughts of of his. But you know, he that's the only problem I got with the, with the character, not the performance, but with the character. I, I thought it was fine. It was just that he was a little, his persona was a little more um, robotic, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, but I think that's the way he the mentality he had to have in is to be the, you know the the you know the first uh, black. Uh, uh, Navy uh, aviator. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, devotion. It bombed in the theaters, but it's actually in Paramount Plus right now. And look, if you have Paramount That's Plus, if you have Paramount Plus, go check it out. I mean, I don't think it's that that bad of a movie. Like I was saying, it's a really kind of strong, okay film with some really good uh, good uh, sequences, uh, fighting sequences, battle sequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's worth your time if you if you have Paramount Plus. All right, let's get into you people we all saw you people this is the latest film 
from Jonah Hill, and that stars that co-stars Eddie Murphy. It's also directed by, I think it's the feature film debut of, or directorial debut of Kenya Barris. It was, I believe so. I think he only wrote a couple of films. Before. I think I think he direct. I think yeah. I think this is his first feature film, but I think he directed um, uh, Black as Fuck, right? Yeah, I think he directed oh, a couple okay. of TV episodes. Yeah. yeah, but this is his first feature film as a director. Uh, he's kind of most mostly known as the co-creator of blackish drone-ish mix-ish <laughs> oh uh, apparently there's an old oldish coming out uh, so really? yeah according to the wikipedia page here he also co-created the uh, america's next top model how about that that's how he got his uh, fame i guess uh and he has written a lot of stuff recently uh he, he didn't he co-wrote the uh, uh he did girl's trip right he wrote Girls Trip. Did he? No, but uh, the the other Eddie Murphy movie, the, the uh, Coming to America too. Did he co-wrote that? Oh one? God, yes, he did. That movie was awful. <laughs> so, and I think he he, he we we're, were recently talking about White Man. He wrote he wrote he wrote the Shaft reboot. Yeah, so he's been doing a lot of these comedy remakes. We just recently talked about White Man Can't Jump uh, remake, which is going to be directed by the House Party remake director. He co-wrote and produced that movie, so he's doing a lot of things. So you people. Had a it has a great premise, right? It has this kind of it's a culture clash. It's it's Jonah Hill. He is uh, he falls in love with this African American woman. He is Jewish, and they're they're you know they're deciding to get married, and they have to bring the two uh, families together. And obviously, that's you know much easier said than done. Uh, what was your thoughts on the movie, uh, Raymond? What's your thoughts? Yeah, a complete missed opportunity. Um... I guess to like talk about some of the positives, I do think Jonah Hill and um, is giving a good performance. I mean, he's doing he, it's Jonah Hill. He's just doing his thing. Uh, I think Julia Lewis Dreyfus is uh, giving a good performance, even though it does get a little overblown at times. Uh, David Duchovny is uh, criminally underused. Um, let's see who else is in, in the movie. I don't, I don't remember the. Eddie, Eddie, well, let's talk about Eddie Murphy because right? I don't really have that many more positives. Well, actually, uh, Lauren London, I guess was was good in the movie. I don't, I don't, I didn't necessarily buy that her and Jonah Hill were in love, but yeah, but they had good chemistry. Um, I, I bought them like as, as friends, <laughs> I guess. Nia Long was like barely in yeah, the movie at yeah, all. That's true. Uh, uh, um, uh, yeah, but let's talk about Eddie Murphy. Cause unfortunately I think Eddie Murphy is just miscast and, um, he just does not work for this role at all. I thought he came off extremely unlikable, mm-hmm. like right from like the opening to, uh, when his character's introduced. Well, first of all, let's talk about Kenyon Barris's direction because the way Eddie Murphy's introduced in the movie, like the setup to it, is just awful. Right. Like there, you you would think you have some type of introduction for the you know Eddie Murphy is about to enter the movie, and you know the first like twenty minutes is all Jonah Hill. So once Eddie Murphy shows up, you know that's a big moment. No setup, no nothing, no joke, no. It, and immediately he just they just write him like a completely unlikable character, and the co- type of comedy that the character has to do is just not Eddie Murphy's comedy, mm-hmm. and it just it it made Eddie look inept. And I've got to say, like I've seen so many movies where like you meet the in laws, and unfortunately, I think Eddie Murphy easily gives the worst performance out of all of them. Yeah, like Meet the Fockers, so, or, or or you know, like there's so many. Yeah, I, I mean, going back to like, uh, uh, I guess it's coming to dinner, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, there's some a little bit. On I that. mean, even 
even the even the remake of that movie with Ashton Kutcher. I mean, Bernie Mac was way better than uh, Eddie Murphy. I mean, Eddie Murphy was awful in this film, and it's not his fault. He's miscast. And also the whole the whole Muslim angle didn't work at all. Uh, Kenya Barris was not the person to be telling this story, man, because he there's so much you, you could have brought in mind out of that, but it's just. He's just doing the same thing over and over again, and it's just it, it, it got really old after a while. I was uh, when I was watching the movie, I go, maybe Charlie Murphy would have been a better part, a better person to play this part than Eddie. Probably, uh, yeah. And like you were saying, he plays like, and the part of the reason why it doesn't work because Eddie is a strict Muslim American, a Black American who, you know. I, you could say like he hates white people, but I, I don't know. I mean, he, he hated black people too. Yeah, he's a very strict kind of hard. Like I guess you would say, old school father who was very strict. He loves his daughter. He would prefer her his daughter marry a black man. But what was weird was he he's he like criticizes like black people and like he he comes off like one of those guys. But then, like he he goes to the barbershops, mm-hmm. He like he, he listens to hip hop. I don't understand this mm-hmm. character at all. He was just came off like a giant hypocrite. Well, and I, I, I think it's 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 written in a way where it's like a sitcom, right? This is more a this is more like a pilot to a to a, a TV series than an actual movie that no one would ever want to watch. <laughs> Rich, what was your thoughts on you people? Not funny at all. It's just bland. It's it's just. Um, easy is is like you guys said, it's an easy concept. It's a guess who's coming to dinner concept. Mm -hmm. It's easily written. I mean, uh, uh, you should be able to do jokes in in it. No problem, especially for Eddie Murphy. And, uh, but no, uh, um, they wanted to push the, uh, envelope with this, uh, uh, awkwardly Jewish and, um, the, uh, um, Black Muslim, uh, Muslim, Mm -hmm. uh, black Muslim. And they didn't know how to handle it at all. No, uh, um, they just. They wanted to push buttons and make it, you know, um, you know, make it awkward for the the couples. And uh, uh, Jonah Jonah Hill, I don't think he did anything funny in this movie at at, at all. Um, you could tell that he was just delivering his lines, and that's about it. But I don't know. It's it it could have been the direction itself. The direction was horrible. The direction was film. terrible. Yeah, I mean, the way it was non-existent. And Eddie Murphy, I I. I I don't think he had a pulse in this movie whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. he, he, the guy, every scene, he was like just sitting there, and just, mm-hmm. uh, I just, just, just like no life, no yeah. life in. in, in yeah. I thought all. he was bad in coming to America too. This was like a whole new level of like this. If, if this is what Eddie Murphy's going to be doing in movies, I don't want to see him in movies anymore. Yeah, yeah. So I think. I think out of everyone, David Duchovny was the um, star in this film, because, <laughs> and he's barely in it. <laughs> yeah, and Julia Julie, Julie Louise Dreyfus. Delivered those shitty lines, and uh, she did okay. But but the 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 biggest laugh I got throughout this whole movie was seeing the back of Felipe Esparza. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that was the biggest laugh because this that this that just shows me uh, how bad a direction this, this film is. Uh, here is Felipe Esparza doing his his cameo to one of his idols, Eddie Murphy, and. He doesn't even get a screen to, a screenshot. Doesn't get a close up. Yeah, he's know, one and that that's I I blame Kenya Barris for that. Yeah, man. that's such yeah. a bad direction. And now I almost start to wonder, like, did they do that purposefully so like they wouldn't have to pay him or I something so they could pay him less? Because it almost makes me think that in this this way that they don't have to like give him a a, a high a bigger credit or something like that. They give him a smaller credit. I don't understand. I understand. But it's it's ridiculous. And it feels like a scene that could have probably been like really funny. Like his delivery was spot on. Just the way he walks into the scene, like he's wearing this like oversized suit. I mean, it, like it, it's, it's, 
and it's perfect. Um, but I mean, it's uh, the way Kenya shoots it. Other than David Duchovny, I think the only other uh, um, smile I had was from uh, Mike Epps' character, mm. and that's that's pretty sad. He's playing uh, Eddie Murphy's um, brother, basically. Uh, but the whole Jewish stuff, the whole lines that like they give Elliot Gould, you know, uh, and stuff like that. You, you know, That's weird. Trying, yeah, the, the, those those are obviously obviously done by Jonah Hill, and just to you know to do it's easy laughs. Ba- kind of bathroom thing humor to, jokes. It's just, just him though. Right, right. It's just it's just, it's just you know, uh, it's, it's just so. And uh, what what a waste of uh, uh, Rhea Perlman, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was she, she related just, to Jonah Hill? She showed, she was a grandmother, I think, right? Oh, I didn't even realize. I thought she was just someone in the, in the community uh, or something. Yeah, I think. You, yeah, yeah, I think she was like maybe. Church. Yeah, maybe she was this aunt or yeah, or. But she didn't even have any lines, right? Yeah, uh, she got she was she got screwed even worse than Felipe Esparza. <laughs> like, well, the, I, the problem with Kenya Barris's direction is like it, it it's shot very much like a sitcom. There's like these weird kind of uh, montages to to blend each scene together, where it's like. Shots of Los Angeles, <laughs> like, like like it looks like a '90s like introduction of uh, a title card, you know, like a you know here's the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, you know, like look like, these shots of like Los Angeles, and it's supposed to be like kind of tell you where these people are, and I go, this is so weird. Why is he doing this throughout the whole damn movie? These weird kind of uh, <laughs> montages, just to, just to blend the two uh, two two scenes together, because Kenya Barris doesn't really understand. I don't think he really understands direction at all. I mean, or how to like cut one scene to the next scene and make it se- make sense. Yeah, it, was to like, it. it was like a Seinfeld episode. Yeah, it's so weird. It's so it also felt so very nice. Seinfeld, you you, you, get, you just, had to cut to the diner or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's so it's such and a weird. Just, weird. The, the the home just like the series. The whole, actually, the you home. could even do that because, like, even the scene when uh, when Eddie Murphy and Jonah Hill meet for mm-hmm. the first time, they're in Roscoe's. You don't even find out they're in Roscoe's till the like middle of the conversation, like three, four, five, six minutes into the scene. But in the trailer, they actually show it. <laughs> what the hell? How does the trailer have better editing than the actual movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the whole, I mean, the whole reason for uh, Kenya Barris is doing the the series, the Blackish, and obviously you people. Is to get shoes. <laughs> this whole movie is, is they, they focus more on shoes in this movie than anything. Yeah, the sneakers. He has a love shoes. for sneakers. Yeah, sneakers. The sneakers. The sneakers were even a, a, a joke at one point. Like when they, yeah. uh, I remember that the, there's a scene at, at, the, at the Jewish, I don't know what it's called, like the synagogue or church, or I don't yeah, know what yeah. it was called. And they're showing like everyone in like uh, their like church shoes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they show Jonah Hill wearing sneakers. And that's supposed to be a joke. And Right, That's not funny. <laughs> it's, no. it's funny to Kenya Bears because he's a sneakerhead, and in every mm-hmm. you know all of his shows, like like uh, 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 who's the star of uh, Blackish? Um, Anthony Anthony He has a sneaker yeah, fetish. Oh, 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 oh. He's also completely wasted in this movie. His cameo was like, why? I mean, oh, dude, I totally forgot that he was in, really quick in the movie. Yeah, he was in the barbershop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's ter- this is a terrible, terribly made movie. I think it had a great idea because I really would love to see like this kind of. I think they could have really pushed the envelope a lot more, you know, about this kind of tension between the Jewish community and the black community, especially now, you know, with Kanye and all that stuff and all the controversies that yeah, surrounds yeah. him. I think they could have really pushed it and make it really funny and maybe make some sense to the whole, why this is kind of ridiculous and why we should, uh, you know, have you know maybe uh, deeper conversations about this. But this is none of it. this is all surface level stuff. This is that's it. This really doesn't have any kind of message at all, other than like, if you just watched this movie and didn't read anything else, you would think that there was like decline of interracial marriage. 
or maybe this is even you would think maybe they're saying that interracial marriage doesn't work and why try it you know i mean it very much is like a a, a very clumsy way of, of, of doing this movie uh, doing a type of movie about interracial marriage and uh, i think he uh accidentally it's like uh uh an anti-interracial marriage bill uh but uh um, yeah i know right it's, it's, so, it's a weird it has a weird kind of uh it leaves a, a weird taste in your mouth at the end uh and it, you know I, I think it's supposed to say that love conquers all but i don't you don't really get it you really kind of like feel like they, they shouldn't get married or they shouldn't stay together and well lewis draven's character was also like a complete idiot like a complete idiot mm-hmm. like oh like they took it like way overboard with how stupid her character was um I, I still don't really understand how they kind of treated her like she was as bad as Eddie Murphy's character. I'm like, Eddie Murphy's character is like a, a devil. <laughs> well, Eddie Murphy was consciously trying to break up the, the marriage or break up the relationship, right? Where yeah. where uh, Julia Lewis Dreyfus was trying to actually she was went over her affection. Yeah, she went over her right, daughter. and so the, I think that's why it feels totally different. I mean, it, 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 her, it's more of her kind of overly protective or overly stepping over the line i think that makes her a bad um, character it doesn't really matter i mean it, it, i don't think they even thought that way through this movie really just it's, no. it's just about set up and making fun of this kind of culture clash without really even thinking about the implications of it or or even like w- why you should you know w- w- what are you trying to say about it you know so what do you think was worse the direction or the writing <sighs> i uh, the direction direction the writing but they're both bad the writing feels more sitcom right like bad sitcom uh but the yeah tri- i think i think i think the the best thing he ever wrote in this uh jonah hill the best thing he ever wrote was saying that he was 35 <laughs> yeah jonah hill looks pretty film. terrible in the film and oh yeah <laughs> it looks like that uh that uh that that guy that um is that cooking show where he he goes to all these like restaurants like dinners diners and oh, uh, guy Fri- like that. Guy he, looks, he looks he looks exactly like him right but that's that's but worse that's his <laughs> isn't that jonah hill's look now and i think i think i guess <laughs> well, what's your thoughts on jonah hill and lauren london's relationship and the, the, the chemistry I thought they had great chemistry okay yeah i thought they had great chemistry i just i, ne- I never bought them as a couple i bought them as like really good friends kind of like he had a best friend in the movie that he had a podcast with i kind of bought it like that more mm-hmm. and and I, maybe a big part of it was just because i was like how could anybody love this man <laughs> yeah <laughs> this ronald mcdonald looking dude <laughs> oh man that's a, that's a, and, in, and in that regard maybe we should maybe eddie murphy is the hero of the movie <laughs> yeah. uh it, it, like like i said i mean great premise it's a, it's a actually could have been a great idea and you know, i totally agree with you rich that eddie murphy is sleeping through this part he's he's almost mm-hmm. half awake through all the scenes where it doesn't feel like he's giving one ounce of shit you know like i don't think he cares he's just sitting there and saying his lines and getting the fuck out where mm-hmm. everyone else i mean i think uh, juliet lewis Dreyfus is doing a really bang up job for what she is given to uh, given with the source you know what what what's the lines she is given? Uh, Neil Long, I mean, barely in the movie. She is under underused. 
uh, even less than David Duchovny. Yeah, she's barely in the film. I mean, uh, they could have used some of that. You know, the, I don't know. It's just it's just pretty horrible <laughs> film. Just yeah, Kenya Paris is big really bad at showcasing actors because, like, there's so many people in this movie that just. Again, like we were mentioning, like Anthony Anderson, someone that he's worked with, I imagine he's close friends with, like it's kind of screwed in this movie. Felipe mm-hmm. Esparza, Rhea, Rhea Perlman, like all these people like that show up that you would kind of expect like to at least have a scene or something. Like, yeah. you know, why, why would you pay them to show up in this movie and just have them as extras, essentially? Yeah, I know. I mean, really, that's, what, that's what's so frustrating because it has a really great cast and you could have really done something with this, with this cast, but uh, they didn't do nothing. Anyway, that's uh, You People, which is now streaming on Netflix. It's doing well for Netflix. It's number one. People are talking about it. Uh, and people are maybe having problems with it as well. That I don't think it's a beloved movie. And yeah, so we agree. It's, uh, it's a movie that's... Uh, uh, I think you could, you could skip this one. You could definitely skip this one. And really quick, I guess, before we go, I mean, the most disappointing thing about the movie, and I think the three of us can agree that with this, is the main reason we wanted to see it was for Eddie Murphy, and he's the worst part of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's the worst part, but he's definitely well the I most mean, disappointing part of the movie. Yeah, because yeah. I, you know, we want we de- we're well. If he if Eddie was funny, it could have saved the poor direction and poor writing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the thing is, I don't know. You know, after watching him in in Coming in America too, where he kind of has the same kind of delivery, where he's just kind of walking through it. And I, yeah, I, and he wasn't really, he wasn't even really being true to the character from the original Coming to America, really. And I, I'm a fan of the first, uh, the second movie. I, I like the Coming America too. I'm, I'm, I think it's a, it's an okay movie. Um, I did, <laughs> uh, but I, 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 I really want him to come back. I really want Eddie Murphy to come back. But uh, from these two performances, it really feels like he's given up. Although I would say Dota might. You know, the Don't Do- Do- Is My Name film. But I think he treated that more like a drama. And I think that's why he was so amazing in that. Maybe because it, or maybe it was a passion project, something that he wanted to do. You know, he wanted to play Dodomite Do- Do- or Ray- Rudy Ray Maher for the longest time, for maybe for all his, his life. And I think it shows. I think he's more, he was more enthusiastic. He was more kind of in the moment in, the, in that film. And so, yeah, skip you. Now, skip you, now, people. Eddie. Eddie- Skip Eddie Murphy was, talks a lot. Or, okay. Well, just skip you people and just just watch Dodomite is my name, which is also on Netflix. Just watch that movie instead. Watch it for a second, third time, or whatever. But go ahead, go ahead, Raymond. Okay, so Eddie Murphy's you know been talking a lot. You know, he's been doing interviews and stuff, and you know, Puss in Boots is out in theaters right now. And he's been talking about you know he's he's excited to come back as as Donkey. <laughs> and you know, say what you will about say what you will about the Trek franchise, but Eddie Murphy as Donkey is actually a great comedic performance like that. That's a lot of, that's that, that's a great vocal performance. Is then seeing him and you people and uh, coming to America. I, I mean, can is he gonna give like a is, is Donkey gonna be like a boring old man now? <laughs> like, or is he still gonna have that energy that he used to? That's yeah, I I know. I mean, they right. I don't know. Are they going to have to like, uh, like, like when you know how the Simpsons actors are all older now, so they have to like auto tune everything. <laughs> like they change all the voices. Like, are they going to have to like change his voice, adjust it to make it sound like it did like back in the day? Because he's just not willing to like commit to the actual, you know, performance. Maybe. I mean, it really feels like he's out of it, right? Like he's not really caring about he's giving up. It, 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 like he doesn't give two shits about doing anything. Because like, yeah, like you were saying, Don- Donkey is a very hyperactive character, which makes him like, which is you know, what makes Eddie Murphy's performance so great about it. But, um, 
Uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm really worried about the Beverly Hills Cop because I know he just, he said he just wrapped it. Uh, yeah, I don't have any faith in it at all. <laughs> Is that still with the uh, Bad Boys directors? No, it's uh it's a music video director, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, I have no faith in that. Oh my lord, yeah. Yeah. Well Kevin Bacon's gonna be in it, then it could be fun, right? It's still produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, but I don't know. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, Netflix uh, this is a Netflix film too. Oh Richard it is? Look, Richard looks so sad. I mean, this you people review really put him angry. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's it. That's it for uh our wrap up, our re- movie review wrap up. Uh, Rich, really quick, let's talk about um, Shrinking, the TV mm. series. We saw the first three episodes of Shrinking. This is the from the makers of Ted Lasso. It stars Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your thoughts on it, really quick? Because uh, we're, we're about to leave. Yeah, very impressive. It's it's uh, per, uh, the first three episodes are pretty damn good. Um, um, uh, uh, um, I'm wondering how much Brett Goldstein, who, uh, uh, who's also a creator in it and writer, I wonder how much involved he is in it. Also, because uh, uh, from what I from what I understand, he he wrote a lot of it, and uh, um, yeah, I'm impressed because unlike um, Eddie Murphy, Harrison Ford has been known to be just phone it in on most of his projects, but this film, but uh, this show. Uh, he's more of his. He's more of his. his he, he he is th- throwing it in, but he's making the most out of it on some on, on a lot of scenes that you, that he's involved in. You could tell that he's 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 trying. Yeah, he's trying in this one. He's it, mo- yeah. he's much more interested in trying to make a good comedy. I think that's the, the idea that he's now starring in a comedy. He kind of feels like he likes that idea, and he's feels I'm, like he's well. He's also he's not new to the world of comedy. He's done no. Like, he's been doing this working, working girl. Yeah. Yeah. And he did a uh, Richard's favorite movie a couple, a couple not like that long ago, uh, Morning Glory. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really good. That was like kind of a throwback to Working Girl. But I mean, uh, uh, like when I saw the trailer for in, the new Indiana Jones movie, I'm like, oh my god, it looks terrible because he looks like he's not in it. Like he's he's kind of like what we were talking about, Andy Murphy. He's kind of like he's like just phoning it in and just like kind of going through the motions. In this one, he is. Like he, it really seems like he is becoming a more like a grumpy character, or like a because he, he does he is playing like a grumpy old man. Like he's a psychiatrist, but he's playing a grumpy old man in the movie. And I think he's really kind of zoning into that and 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 finding new ways to make it funny. And I, I think he's doing a good job. You know, the story is Jason Siegel is a therapist. He works under uh, Harrison Ford's uh, company. You know, he's like the same building. They're kind of building of therapists. Uh, Jason Siegel's wife has just passed away, and he so he's mm-hmm. grieving, and his life is going to uh, it's coming undone, and he has a teenage uh, daughter that he has to take care of. So it's really a kind of these the, the therapist is the ones who are the most fucked up in the show, you know, and mm-hmm. so it's kind of like that idea that like these therapists are the ones who probably need more therapy than any, anyone. Uh, but it, it's the cast is great, you know. This is from yeah. the Bill. This is from Bill Lawrence who created uh ted lasso but he also did scrubs and uh and, and a show that i really love kruger town and this really kind of feels like a kruger town type of scenario where all the characters are great they all kind of love mm-hmm. each other and are all friends and so i kind of miss that kind of sitcom you know like where all all the cast are like just friends and they're just trying to help each other and this is like actually a cool little show 
which is now play, yeah, now play on Apple TV that I think everyone should check out. And uh, also, I'd like to shout out to the Luke Tenney, uh, who plays Sean, Big Sean. Um, um, he plays one of new, Jason uh, Siegel's patients. Right. And uh, we've, seen, we've seen him before in a, in a sci-fi show, sci-fi channel show called Deadly Class. Oh, yeah. And that's where you, uh, yeah, and, okay. um, which was uh, one of those brilliant but canceled shows. On sci-fi. Um, yeah. And uh, it's good to see him in this, in this role because he, um, he's a standout in this role. And also, of course, Ted McGinley. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was basically uh, as one-liners in this on on every episode. He's, he's doing the but Tim McGinley part, right? <laughs> like he's perfect for him. <laughs> he, he is perfect in this role. And if you don't know him, he's from Married with Children as Jefferson, right? Uh, so he's yeah, per- yeah so. it's awesome to see him back in this. You know, and again, yeah. he's really just kind of a guy who comes in and really throw these one-liners, and he actually gets you know big laughs in the in the show. I, yeah. I think eventually we'll probably see a little bit more of him, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I think this is great. This is a great kind of, uh, you know, we just saw the first three episodes, so I think it's a great beginning of, a, of the season. Uh, yeah, and again, I, like, I know everyone loves Ted Lasso, and I was a fan of the first season. I kind of yeah. really just didn't like the second season at all. I, I didn't finish it. It got too soapy, got too melodrama, you know, dramatic, or in, in too kind of cute it got a little too cute for my taste uh well they they, they had a premise in the first episode i mean for the first season mm-hmm. where they were against ted lasso or whatever right. the, the, he I had mean, something to prove right he had to, he had to prove that right was, well it was more like a major league right kind of situation yeah. where yeah yeah and and, and, then and then all of a sudden he wins them over and then it's it, that that plot line's done yeah that tension that and tension is gone and now in season two Everyone just loves him. Everyone, he's everyone's best friend, or something like that. So it doesn't, it doesn't work. Well, at least in my eyes, it doesn't work. Uh, so I didn't really like season two. Yeah, when I heard when I heard all the rave about the uh, Christmas special one or whatever it was. Yeah, the episode. I thought that was like the worst <laughs> worst episode ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think shrinking has the that kind of feel good stuff that Ted Lasso has, but it also has an edge too. It's not as mm-hmm. it's not it's not like sugary as Ted Lasso is, and I think it, it, that's why it works. And I think it has a nice balance of being because everyone's fucked up, everyone's dealing with their own kind of personal issues, and 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 it, it's a psychiatric psychiatric uh, procedure. So you could bring new characters and oh, yeah. uh, every 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 any episode or every season or stuff like that, right? Which will make sense. Yeah, and, J- um, and Jason Siegel's uh, character definitely wants to help his patients out, and. Although his life is falling apart, so that's a, that that's great kind of, you know, the, what makes the show so great. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that's uh, playing on Apple TV right now, and it's a new. It just it was a new show, uh, and so far, we highly recommend it. Me and Rich highly recommend that show. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's it for this episode of uh, of Inside Flicks to kind of wrap up of some of the things we watched recently. And uh, thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. We'll be back hopefully very soon with a new episode.